This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, my special guest is uh, a very amazing comedian. He's honestly one of the funniest people in the whole country. He's going to be in Ottawa. So shout out to our Ottawa peeps. Sorry, did you just say June 24th and 25th? Yeah, the end of this month, uh, the Laugh Lounge in Ottawa. I think it's in Bywood Market. Apparently, I'm really excited to play there. It's supposed to be an awesome club. So I'm looking forward to that. At the Laugh Lounge. Give it up for Ian Gordon. All right. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. That's honestly the first time I've needed an assist on the intro. (laughs) So I appreciate that. I should have wrote it down and I didn't. But uh, but here we are. It's a basketball (laughs) podcast. Perfect place to give assist. There you go. Beauty. Beauty. Um. We're going to talk about the the NBA finals and everything that's going on there, mm-hmm. uh, some coaching changes stuff, and then we'll get into our, our Raptors homer moment in the second half. But let's Great. start off with these finals. We're recording this on Monday, June 6th. We've had game one and game two. First of all, Ian, I just want to know, what are your general thoughts on this series so far? It's been an interesting series for sure. Um, game one was crazy. I think like myself and everybody else was like, okay, well, it's over. And then that fourth quarter happened, which was insane. It was crazy. It was weird. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> but I'm glad just from somebody who wants to see a good finals, it was great to see that happen. Put some mm. pressure on Golden State. Um, game one was wild. It was, you know, especially the first quarter when Curry, what did he have, seven threes or six in the first quarter? Something like that. Yeah, he shot like shot the ball like crazy. Usually, when he does that, you're like, they're gonna win by like 50 points. Yeah, you know? and they're gonna just demolish. Um, but credit to Boston to hold on, really. And somehow, again, that fourth quarter was they had scored them like 40 to 16, like crazy. Uh, and game two, if I was a gambler, I would have bet that bet. I felt like Golden State was going to come out and respond, mm-hmm. especially for a team who's got that much championship experience, right? That's They know the importance of winning game two. They know that they can't give up both of their home games right away. So I, I really expected that to happen. And yeah, a guy like Draymond is, is the cog of that whole team, right? I mean, everyone knows that, but yeah, he, you know, he got fouled out in game one. And they lost at the end. And then he played the typical Draymond game in game two. And, you know, they're a great team. They really, Golden State, credit to them and credit to their whole run they've had. You know, they've been great for so long now, if you really think about it. 
kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like that's sort of my argument for argument for rooting for the Warriors in this series is that like sometimes people are just so close to like greatness that I just want to see it happen. And that's how I feel with this team. It's like they're so close to having it. I just really want them to have it. Because I think, like, I know some people are, like, kind of sick of the Warriors. But for me, you know, being a a lifelong basketball fan, like, I'm going to miss Steph Curry. Like, like, he is the greatest shooter I've ever seen watching basketball for, like, 26 years. I'm aging myself. I do it every episode, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just like, like we are going to miss watching him play. And and I think he, he really is that special. I know people are kind of getting ahead of themselves in terms of like throwing him into a top 10 conversation. I don't know if he's there yet, but I think I'm kind of derailing from our, from our, (laughs) from my little list, but uh, I think it's, it's on the table, you know, it's like, he's not there yet, but it's on the table and it's just really cool to watch someone in, you know, in real time, potentially take it. He's amazing, right? It's he, I've always, always been a LeBron fan and I liked him in high school and followed him all through up the Cleveland days. And so when he was going against Curry, he was a total strike fear in you player. Yeah. Like he's, there's not that many players that do that really when they have the ball at a crucial point of the game, um, you're terrified. And Steph Curry is like that, but he's almost like there were times where it was almost every time he had the ball period, like mm-hmm. first quarter, second quarter, he's going to hit a three. That's, it's crazy in such an amazing shooter. I didn't watch Larry Bird. You know, you can watch his highlights. His highlight package is ridiculous. The guy is amazing. And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of other good shooters like Reggie Miller. Um, but I just don't think that they hold a candle to this, like almost like surreal ability that he possesses yeah. to hit these shots that are just like, and to your point, when you talk about, putting him in the top 10 I think you have a legitimate case because he if you look at the players that are in the top 10 typically they're doing something that nobody else can do that's kind of what I mean maybe that's one of the categories how you separate it like mm-hmm. you know this guy hook and Will Chamberlain they had to change the shot clock for him and like Steph Curry's totally changed the game too people shooting more threes in the pro game changing how defenses were schemed um, and then, like, trickle down right into, like, rec leagues where people, like, are pulling up from three and not going for a wide open layup. Like, based on those criteria alone and just the winningness of that team, you could – I could put him in the top ten. I wouldn't be, like, upset. And – but the question is, who do you have to kick off? You have to kick off, obviously, somebody who's amazing. And a lot of – I was – like, a lot of the consensus top tens don't have that many guards. Right. I don't know. But you, I, mean, I would put him on there and I wouldn't be upset. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I hear you completely. I think, you know, we're getting to a point with basketball where it's just impossible to lump all the eras into one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because totally. r- realistically, like, you know, we didn't watch Bill Russell play. You know, we didn't watch Wilt Chamberlain play. Like, we would feel differently if we had actually watched them play, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think it's just becoming more and more impossible that it's like, I think, you know, sort of like 
how they did with the 75 where it was like there was no bumping anyone off a list it was like right. that 50 is locked and now you're just bringing in a new 25 i think that's mm. gonna be how i mean it's more fun to <laughs> to debate and be yeah. like who's getting off the list but realistically i think that's how it's gonna have to be going forward in order to have like an accurate representation of what everyone actually meant to the sport that's very self philosophical for us off the top no, but you're right. You have a point. And it's hard to compare generations. The game was different. The athleticism, I mean, you could make a case that the people like that are the top athletes in the 60s and 70s aren't too, too far away. Um, you know, the equipment is better in this day and age and training and everything. And, you know, all well, that. equipment, the shoes, the sports, yeah, science, right? um, nutrition. But like, yeah, I mean, if you take the if you take one of those guys off the top ten and put Steph Curry in, you're gonna you're gonna uh, you know peeve off a lot of old timey folks, and that's cool. But <laughs> if you put them on the top ten, I don't think anybody could legitimately argue with you and be like, this is a bad choice, because he really now, when you can reflect on his career, he has changed the way the game has been played. He's been totally influential in the NBA and in global basketball so you know I, it's just that's just the fact i wish we I, had I planned this conversation a little bit because in my mind i'm like it would have been so funny when you're like who you knock off and i'm like jordan let's let's knock right. off michael jordan and i just started arguing <laughs> just no, to be the worst contrarian of all time i wouldn't actually yeah. mean that but that just would have been a very funny response imagine yeah jordan's gotta go Everybody knows it. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows it. <laughs> Everybody knows that guy's a piece of shit and he needs to go. <laughs> yeah, the guy couldn't play basketball. Yeah, he had to make a whole documentary just to try and hang on. Have you seen it? It was highly edited. Everything he did was very suspect. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I, um, I, it's, he's Steph's amazing. He's great. He's fun to watch and scary to watch if you're rooting for the team that he's playing against. Um, but yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. It's, we'll see. Yeah, going back to the series for a bit, like I, you know, I was shocked when it, when Boston took Game One, but I was also super excited because I was like, we are going to have a series. Like this Big might time. be, we're gonna totally. get a Game Seven in these finals, I think, and, and I'm really excited. I mean, you saw how the Warriors adjusted in Game Two. I think there were more defensive schemes with Draymond on on Tatum, and I think. Boston's going to respond. They're going to adjust. There's been a lot of talk about the foul calls in game two. We're going to get into that. Uh, mm -hmm. I will just say that like Draymond is not going to get the benefit of the whistle in, in Boston. I don't think like when he, um, when he had that little scuffle with Jalen Brown and he kind of mm -hmm. like tugged at his shorts a little bit there and they reviewed it and chose not to call a second tech andre mon just to not kick him out of the game a lot of people are talking about that like hey you know what like any other game like that's a tech man like yep. there there's been a precedence in this especially in this year in these oh, playoffs yeah. where that is a tech but they just didn't want to kick him out of the game and i think i think officials this might be a hot take for me but i don't think officials actually want to influence the game but sometimes you force their hand and then they kind of have to. And I think yep. they were like, I, we don't want our, our hand to be forced here right now. And so they didn't do it. I mean, 
I, I don't know. Like if something like that happens in Boston, like I think he gets thrown out. It, totally. It, a lot of it, especially after all the press and the heat that it garnered after game two, <clears throat> pardon me, you have to figure that game three, he's going to have to toe a line. And game three is going to be really crazy and hot because it's in Boston. Mm. People are going to be trash talking. Um, I have expected him to not dumb it down that much. He knows how effective it is. And what Draymond's also good at is towing the line between knowing how much he can get away with, uh, what ref he's dealing with. You know, the guy, um, he's definitely with it. And he'll, I mean, he impacted the game. When you're talking, when they're talking about what you did, uh, how it kind of got under their skin after the game, that means that it totally worked. And Mm -hmm. if that's, that's kind of what he does. And he doesn't, I don't know, he does that. He's known for it, but he ramps it up when he has to. Another guy that I, he's one of these guys who you love to hate because he doesn't play for your team, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's I mean, really good man. He he's very on that team. He plays his role very well. Um, but I do, you know, there's the flopping and the all the stuff that I can understand why people don't like it, and to to an extent, I don't either. But um, you know, he makes the game entertaining for sure. I will say this, like, I think, like you said, he, he's really good at towing the line. I personally do like Draymond. I think he's a great player. I think he's a <laughs> phenomenal defender. And I think he knows how to, like you said, knows how to get under player skin or under his opponent's skin. But I think there is a line, like, because I really dislike Patrick Beverly. And yeah. I feel like in this game, too, Draymond was, like, getting really close to that Patrick Beverly-ness where I was mm-hmm. like, now I don't like it because now it's too like antic e, as You're opposed like, to like, it just oh. being competitive spirit. Like now it's like we're getting into like this next level level. Like you're you're the Joker on the yeah. You know what I mean? It's like too rude, and it just doesn't. There there needs to be some like sportsmanship and gamesmanship with it a, a little bit. It has to be a part of the game. If you take it completely out of the game, then then it isn't. I, I will see. I wonder if he'll if he'll get booted because again if when he goes historically in important games they lose those games so he kind of needs to be around i also think that maybe he's going to keep that top of mind and be like okay shit i i really can't get kicked out of this game because if i do we're in big trouble and they are like if he goes they're in trouble like I, i for as long as i live i will never forget the fact that the warriors we're about to become the greatest team of all time, completely undisputed, until he kicked too many people in the balls. <laughs> I mean, that's just what happened. And again, it's literally, there, there's no like, like, you know, for all the greatness that Cleveland had in that game seven and, you know, Kyrie shot and LeBron's block, some mm-hmm. of the greatest basketball stuff we've ever seen. So at least, you know, we got to have that. That but happened because there of what is, he did. There, there is no game seven if he just doesn't kick people in the balls. And again, this is this is kind of what about towing the line is like <laughs> if you play that way, if that's your style, and a part of you is how you affect the game, being in you know that way, then shit like that's gonna happen. And 
it's, you're gonna have to take that you're gonna have to like swallow that as a as a professional i i think he just has to be like yeah what she has i got kicked out of the game that was stupid on my behalf um but i've done some other stuff that's good and i think <laughs> he's I, I think he's gone so far as to admit that like if he didn't do that they would have won like i think he's very self-aware oh he would love to say that he sure. would say that he's a he's narcissistic enough to yeah. to take oh, yeah. credit in that weird like loophole kind of way like still so oh, so it's all about me still the made-up world he'd be like yeah i win i also win in the made-up world too <laughs> yeah hashtag what new media that's what he keeps saying now new media new media um with his podcast we're the new media and we're better and it's he's like had a few concussions let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely has i mean like mm. i i like watching i watch some of his podcast on youtube like i just like i get i've never clips. watched it i've always thought it was going to be i want to watch it i just don't have the time but i would love no to. it's sorry to catch up. no 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 worries it, that's totally fair like i think um i think what draymond brings is his perspective which is an interesting perspective but i don't think draymond could ever be non-biased like he's never gonna give you that non-biased point of view so it's like yes we (laughs) you know we love your perspective and we love your point of view but it can't be the only point of view you consume that's not the way to the truth (laughs) you're absolutely right (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know if any nba player could ever be non-biased because it's like when you're in it of course it's going to be totally different but just in general like the idea that like draymond's like no i'm the truth I'm the new media. Listen to me. I it's all about me. And then, you know, nobody else matters. And it's like, that's a bit much. He doesn't this say is, that word for word, but he implies this it. is also why I you know, I love Steph and he's really a consummate professional. But when he wins, Draymond also wins. So I'm just like, fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually, if anything, if that also speaks to Steph that he's been able to play with oh, Draymond yeah. all these years. Like, mm-hmm. so few superstars would be able to play with Draymond for this long. I mean, look at look at Kevin Durant. Steph's a pro. He just wants to win. He, you know, he really there's not a whole lot of bad things you can say about the guy. And yeah. that's coming from somebody who has watched him crush many, you know, teams that I've been rooting for and players. So. It's hard to say that, but he's great. He's great. He's great to watch. I I will say about the Celtics. Um, I can't remember if I said this last week or not. Um, but if this team were in a different city, I would love this team. Yeah. Like if they were the, the Cincinnati somethings or something like, <laughs> you know, like if we didn't have this like F Boston You're type. Right history with them i would love this team there's nothing unlikable about them Uh, and i think because like i'm just going to admit my own bias here because they there's so much biased pro boston media in the nba american landscape Mm -hmm. that i tend to think that their hype is a little overblown and i think in previous years it has been so but I didn't see this year coming. I thought Milwaukee was going to win. Granted, that was a seven-game series, and it did come to the wire, and I did say it was going to be hard to call. But this whole trajectory of this team, I did not see coming. They got off to a rough start. I was complaining that they had two 
uh, all-stars in the all-star game and that the record they didn't earn two people in the all-star game like and and mm-hmm. now here they are in the finals one one uh, this turnaround has been absolutely phenomenal and this could be like a whole other narrative playing out like right under my nose and and i didn't see it because i i, I was looking the other way totally i mean they're a great team they're deep uh they've won some big games against good competition they kind of they seem to know who they are. Like everyone's got a role, um, pretty disciplined. Mark, having Marcus Smart, um, like having an amazing wing defender is huge uh-huh. in the NBA. Like if you can shut down, because most really good teams have an amazing player on the wing who's disrupting, hitting threes. Like if you can have somebody who can guard that guy or at least do a above average job, it's going to help so much. And I love Jason Tatum. He's amazing. Yeah, he has come, he's still young, you know, but he's just gotten better every year. He's another one of these guys who is super likable. Like he's just seems to want to play ball and mm-hmm. he's just seems cool. Like, I feel like. Again, yeah. Like they seem like nice like, guys, you know, they seem like they'd be nice yeah. to, they'd be fun yeah. to hang out with. Like they seem yeah. like a and cool Jalen group. Brown, like they've, they've really impressed me and it's hard to say that as, as somebody who has to rivalry with them from the rest. <laughs> like it sucks saying that, but again, they're likable. They don't have normally boss. Typically Boston has a player where I'm just like, oh, or more like, but Tatum has won me over. You, you have mm-hmm. to love that basketball. He really knows how to play the game. I love, I love his mid range game. Like he's, He's such a good decision maker. Um, it's it's been it's been great watching them, and I hate to say that, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I think in all the years I've watched basketball, and probably ever since the the Larry Bird era, this is easily the most likable Celtics team. Totally. Like and, I yeah, like I the, like the Paul Pierce, uh, Kevin Garnett era. Like they were villains. They totally were. They were, they were total heels. Hundred yeah. percent. Anytime yeah, you it, have Kevin uh, Garnett on your team, you're probably a heel a little bit. He's yeah. the ultimate. I love Garnett. But he's totally somebody that you wish, another guy you wish was on your team, right? You have to play him. Yeah, like, oh, very that, very that. Garnett, every time. Very that. Yeah, you know what? If Garnett were playing now, he would have that Draymond Green-like reputation where oh, yeah. before he was just known for being like tough. His game, but not like he wasn't known for being like, was he? I don't recall him being known for being extremely difficult. He was just like, he was in your face intense, you know? Yeah, he he was tense and he was known for being a trash talker. That I remember. But I feel like, like a Rashid Wallace was more known for being difficult or having like a bad rep with like the reputation with the refs. And mm-hmm. he was the one that was known for getting like all the texts and he got like more calls against him than like anybody else in the league. Oh yeah. Rashid. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I remember Garnett just being like a trash talker and like a fierce competitor. But I think if yeah. you were playing now, he would be known for being like pesky and difficult. Oh, totally. He's one of those guys who's so fiery. He's going to do whatever it takes. Um, it would be great to see him playing in this era actually. Yeah, the game cool. translates to it as well. Great shooter. Um, he, he did have drive. an outside shot. Yeah, he can even post you up like 
and yeah. an amazing defender. I love, yeah, he's amazing. But still a villain. (laughs) But still a villain. I, I, there's been two players that have really made like serious comebacks in this playoffs. Uh, On the Celtics, you have Al Horford, Mm -hmm. and on the Warriors, you have Andrew Wiggins. Um, One thing I asked you, which is bad of me because I phrased it like a yes or no question. It's bad podcasting, but I asked, (laughs) like, have have you been on Wiggins Island? Yeah, I th- I I've I used to watch his high school mixtapes. Did you and, really? Okay, you're hardcore. Oh yeah. And if you because there was a because he was local, right? And so pe- people were like, "Man, Wiggins, Wiggins," and hear his name, and you'd go online, and his his high school tapes are crazy. Some of the craziest dunks you'll see, he was throwing them down in high school like it was nothing, mm. like it was nothing. And then he went to Kansas. Like, he had a good career. Like, I think he only played one year. I, he might have played two, but I think it was just one. And I think Joel Embiid was on the team that year, but I think he might have been hurt. But anyway, he played pretty well at Kansas. And, like, he – I think what really <laughs> – if you get drafted to the Timberwolves, God help you, you know, honestly. Because yeah. they can kill people's careers. They're right now – poor Carl Anthony Towns is still there. But uh-huh. it was the worst place for him to land. It's like, you know, when people land at the right place where you're like somebody like Luca goes to Dallas and you're like, that seems like a really good fit. Um, whereas like when he got drafted to the T-Wolves, I was like, oh, that's not going to be good for his career. He's going to be, you know, they're just not good at developing. And when he went to Golden State, by the way, I was like looking up that trade um, just when I was checking some stuff out today. Yeah. And man, they they fleeced Golden State totally fleeced today. Like they gave him like D'Angelo Russell, who was good at the time. Like he was a number two draft pick. And uh, but they got like nothing. And then they also drafted they got like a seven round draft or seventh overall draft pick. A seventh <laughs> round draft pick. Are we in the draft? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They drafted me. I played two games for the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> No, but I'm happy, super happy for Wiggins. Um, he's like, yeah, he seems like a perfect fit for the team. He, he's, it's weird because I, I, I was really expecting him to come into the league and totally dunk on everybody and like just be like a John Morant aggressive dunking on everybody. But I guess he just isn't that type of player. And what he's been able to do at Golden State is really hone who he is. I think they kind of just let him be, they had a good enough team where they're like, who are you? Like, what do you want to do? You know what I mean? How do you want to impact the game? And he's really thriving in his role. And I'm super happy for him. Again, if they want, if Golden State won, he would get a ring, which is cool too. He's a local guy. Yeah. um, Real quick. I believe he was drafted Mm -hmm. by the Cavaliers and then they traded him. Right. That's right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right on that. But, um, but yeah, like I remember that. I remember Wiggins being like, I just want to, play where people want me yeah yeah and i remember really feeling sorry for him like like that must be hard to like look up to lebron james because you know he's involved that's right oh my god and then and then be like oh lebron actually doesn't want to play with you and doesn't think he can win with you i could imagine how that would could rattle a young person's confidence you're right you're right you're right and then you add on top of that 
the state that the Timberwolves have were in for so long. I totally long. forgot. I totally forgot about that stint in Cleveland, Catherine. Oh my gosh, poor guy. <laughs> You're right. That's almost like from to go from Cleveland and then <laughs> to Minnesota. It's like, oh man, how do you feel? He must have felt so great getting traded to Golden State. That must have been the greatest day of his life. Yeah, um, I think so. I think everybody. Good for him. Knew. I'm happy for him. I'm happy Man. for him too, and I think, um, you know, the Warriors maybe like once you know this era has wrapped, there'll be a bit more of a retrospective on it. We've already done that a bit today, but I think people will start mm-hmm. to see more just the organization itself and how good they've been because yeah. I've been really impressed with how they have very quickly rebuilt around their core, and that not only did they rebuild around that core, they did it young you know, minus yep. Gudala, but literally like everybody else is younger, like finding Jordan Poole and finding uh, Gary Payton the second and reviving Wiggins, reviving Otto Porter. Like, I know. I, like, I think it, it's just so like their scouting and the people they found, the fact that they've been able to turn this around is uh, extremely impressive. It's very Spurs like. Right. Like the Spurs would go through this, right? Like with yeah. Duncan and Tony Parker and Ginobili, then it's like, okay, now we need a new, we need new players around them. Oh, we need new players around them again. And they did it multiple times. Now they're able to do this. And, and it's just like, I think being able to revive Andrew Wiggins is the mark of a healthy organization. Totally. And you're absolutely right. There seems to be like an elite level of franchises in the NBA, there's certainly tiers and Golden State and the Spurs are right up there on the top tier. And I would like to say that the Raptors as well. Oh, in I terms think so of how too. we draft and what we're trying to do with our team. So yeah, it's you're absolutely right though. Golden State, again, their franchise top to bottom seems to be just well done. And you're right about Otto Porter. Oh, I loved him coming out of college. He he was long and then he could play another guy who landed in the wrong spot. Yeah. He was on Washington for a while. Washington wasn't a good fit for him. Um, but yeah, Golden State, they just seem to get the best out of players. And again, that's a mark of a good team. You just, you get the best out of, out of your guys. You're like, okay, this guy can fit in our team. Let's, let's see what he can do. It's, it's just like, um, you know, it's winning culture, right? Like we're, but we just want to win here. That's whatever it takes to win. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you look at other organizations, I think what they would do or have done is they try to go for the marquee name. I mean, look at the Lakers, right? They're like, Oh, you know, we need, we know we need all of these marquee guys and let's get rid of our, our depth for them. And like, I mean, obviously like the Knicks are guilty of that. There's a lot of organizations that are guilty of that, that think they can attract free agents or do attract free agents i think you know miami is somewhere in the middle where it's like they are trying to get the free agents but they do have better development than those other teams because they do have like a tyler hero and bam at a bio so they're Mm -hmm. kind of like somewhere in the middle but uh and i don't mean that in a bad way with respect to miami but i just think a lot of teams make that mistake of like oh like we need certain stars now. And I think the Warriors could have easily fallen into that trap and somehow they didn't. They're, they really know who they are as a team. They kind of know what they're looking for. 
they their core is so solid that it seems like they just they haven't broken it up you know Draymond mm -hmm. and Clay being out for a long time but still even Clay somebody who they weren't willing to part with in any way Steph is Steph and like having those three guys around people want to gra gravitate to you they see how you win they see how you win in like San Francisco California too which is a bonus <laughs> and like yeah. you know they're a great team they they really are and the Lakers um you know we'll see about them coming up but again another team that just decided to rip the band-aid off uh, an actual team and just plug and play roster positions based I don't know. It's like a weird jersey sales tactic or something. It's just, if you look at all the players that they gave up, there's a lot of talent playing elsewhere right now that could have You're been. You're referring on the to team. the Lakers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've let a lot of really good guys go. Yeah. You I mean, know. the Pelicans got further than them this year. Exactly. And that was that was the big trade. So I think mm -hmm. that says I think that says it all. Um, just uh, lastly, before we go into other NBA yeah. topics with this series, I just wanted to say real quick, like, you know, we've been doing a lot of like pro warriors talk, but I also will just say like, uh, shout out to Al Horford. He's been incredible totally. this this series so far. I think it's not quite the same as like reviving like like Wiggins because I think it was just he was on like a really hefty contract and that's why he got traded to OKC and the asked him to sit out. And Boston yeah. was smart enough to see that he still had tons of potential. And then they also brought back Daniel Tice. So I think they were trying to like regroup that uh, bubble Boston team a bit there. Um mm -hmm. But yeah, they they've also uh, have been building very well. Uh, how do we think these next two games in Boston are going to go? Oh man, um, I think Boston's got to win Game Three. I think they can. I, I I expect them to come out with everything, but so does Golden State. I I think it'll be. I I like Boston to win. Uh, that's my gut is telling me Golden State's going to win but I want Boston to win. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because if they don't, then all the pressure in the world is on them for game four. Because mm -hmm. if you go down 3-1 heading back to Golden State, you're a big, big mm -hmm. So I, I think Boston can come out. I think I think they will win game two. I know they can. They've obviously proven that they can beat them away. So with their home crowd, um, Golden State is going to really lay back and try to take their best punch. So, but Boston needs to, I think they need to secure a big lead kind of almost right away. And they got to try to get some guys in foul trouble. You know, they got to try to control the ref part of it as well, mm -hmm. if they can, in whatever way they can. You know, they need to make the game theirs. They can't, like Golden State, go up 10, 15 early. Like, you take the crowd out of it, especially that's going to be a big problem. So, but I do think Boston can win. And I, I like them to win game three. Uh, game four make it interesting I, I would think golden state would come back i think it'll be a punch counter punch for the first four games i think that the opposite is gonna happen okay i think what's gonna happen is is game three obviously we're not fortune tellers uh but what i think is gonna happen is is game three is gonna be really close and i think the warriors will will squeeze out and they'll win and then mm. i think they're gonna get cocky because one thing I really dislike about the Warriors is that they get very complacent. 
very easily and they're they're a little too high on themselves sometimes and then Mm -hmm. i think in game four they're gonna get cocky and then it could be like a boston blowout win oh okay and then we come back for and then we go back to uh to san francisco for game five and then that's the real because game five is always that Mm -hmm. real series breaker kind of game yeah only three left yeah because they like uh, even like as every series they've had one game where they just completely bombed and didn't show up and i think game one even though they lost i think they very much showed up and just boston was just shooting lights out at the very end but yeah i i think game four is going to be the game where the warriors shit the bed a little bit we'll we'll see it's going to be good though it'll be good basketball yeah, I, I I will say this. Regardless, either way, doesn't really matter who wins three or who wins four. I think we're getting a seven game finals here. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Love it. Uh, okay, let's move on to some of the coaching changes that have happened so sure. far. So we talked a little bit about the Lakers. They've hired uh, Darvin Ham, who I believe was an assistant with the Bucks. I should have looked that up earlier. Uh, <laughs> and Quinn Snyder has announced that he is stepping down from the Jazz. Let's talk uh, a bit about the Lakers first. I phrased this question to you as, do they have a hope in hell? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Because that really know. is the question is that do they have any hope at all? He did uh, a brief interview with uh with Malika Andrews. Uh I think it was earlier today and he talked about the adjustments that he wants to make and they sounded pretty solid actually. Like he said uh, in his conversation with Westbrook, who knows if Westbrook will still be on the team, but he said in his conversation with Westbrook, he uh, used the word sacrifice a lot, and he wants to get back to Westbrook being uh, a stronger defensive asset for the team, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is the adjustment that needs to be made. And it's, you know, will he do it is the real question there. But our, everything he said, I was like, yeah, that that makes sense. That is what needs to change. It's just will they be selfless enough? to to do it that's the tricky part i think they have some weird pieces right like their team is just so strange they've got these big assets and then they've got this weird trickle down bench um a lot of again darvin ham i don't know i think you're i think you're totally right about assistant with milwaukee i i looked it up i think he was been an assistant with atlanta before maybe mm-hmm. but it seemed to be he was an nba assistant for 10 years and he's garnered a good reputation from what I uh, was reading about him when they were thinking about hiring him. He's like a bit of a player's coach. So he's got that kind of vibe. <laughs> Again, everything is kind of out in the, out in the wash, really. Like you just don't know what's going to happen with that team. If they start poorly, I think that they will bomb <laughs> the year. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of it hinges on Anthony Davis. The guy is amazing when he plays. He's, so good when he plays but he just can't seem to string together enough even like not even playing eight, like 75 games just a chunk of like 40 in a row even just you know he's always hurt I feel horrible for the guy but if he's out all the time they're in big trouble because LeBron is going to be 38 you know and that's, that's he's a great player but they need more than LeBron and a Westbrook who's not listening to the team's needs. Like it was last year was just, it was bad basketball. They had some really horrible games 
that Laker team were uh-huh. embarrassing losses. Like you can't have that kind of thing and, and expect to win, even make the playoffs, let alone win a championship. And again, they didn't, they didn't deserve to make the playoffs to be honest. No. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. I completely agree. I think so much of it hinges on Anthony Davis's health yeah. and you know, you mentioned LeBron's age. I mean, I was very much under the impression that LeBron was going to take a bit of a backseat and Anthony Davis was supposed to become the number one on this team. Right. And it just hasn't happened. And I, wanted to. <laughs> I mean, we're seeing, we, we saw how Chris Paul, God bless crumbled immediately after his 37th birthday. Oh, poor guy. Uh, something that really hurt my soul. Cause we're the same age, but <laughs> Uh, I was like, no, am I going to crumble? Um, but I'm not an athlete. But yeah, like I, I just, again, LeBron's somebody we're all going to miss. People love oh, yeah. to, to shit on that guy. But when when he's done, I'm telling you, you're going to miss watching a player that, that that's that great. And, yeah. and I just, I don't know. It's weird to see the tail end of his career uh, go like this. But I agree. I don't. You know, everybody talks about, you know, hiring more black coaches in the NBA. And of course, I agree. And I think that's really important. But it's also about setting people up to succeed. I mean, like, look at the Houston Rockets. They tried to to do that whole thing, right? Uh, With Coach Silas? I think so. Ah, Blanking on his name. And they were like, yeah, like, look at us. We're hiring the the black coach that's been an assistant in this league for a long time. Oh, by the way, we've traded the whole team away. And it's like you're not setting him up to succeed. So it's just like, I don't know. It's a bit of a performative thing, I think, with some teams. Obviously not with the Celtics. But, you know, but I think with certain teams, it's been a little performative in a way that uh, I don't particularly like. And I think with the, Sel- with the sorry, with the Lakers, I- I'm sensing a bit of that. I mean, That's I was very I controversial. Oh my yeah. God, uh, you know, hey, it's for me, I just if you hand the keys to the Lakers head coach, no matter who it is, it's a big job. Like it's like huge markets are different in pro sports. And so you're dealing with one of the best players in the history of the game is in your locker room. You've got, I don't know, he's got a lot of stuff that he needs to change. And I don't think it's going to be simple for any coach to change those things. Um, But maybe just the fact that he's somewhat of an unknown um, to that squad, maybe he can come in and really win them over and they play for him. And they do something, but they need to sort out that bench. You can't expect LeBron to play 35 to 38 minutes a game when he's 38. Like he's, you have to be able to alleviate some of those minutes, especially if you want him for the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I they're in, they're in a weird spot. I don't. I think they could have another bad year unless they make a move, and it's going to be. I don't know who the heck they're going to sell the Russell Westbrook uh, contract to because it's the worst buyer's market for him maybe ever in his whole career. Right? He's Again, he's just another year older. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty all-over-the-place year, uh, subpar from his standards. If you trade him now, you're going to you know, maybe get picks, but they don't want picks. I don't know. They're in a weird spot. <laughs> it's not a good time I, I think to be they're going to keep Westbrook. 
I agree. I think they have to. I don't I, think they I, can move it. Yeah, I think maybe they tried it. Like I'm sure they tried, and then I think they were like, "Screw it, we're better off just keeping him." You got a good. He's a good player. He's an amazing basketball player. He, if they can direct him in the right way and utilize a different element of his skill set, if he can be a like you said, if he can be a, uh, their defensive weapon and a facilitator. The guy could, is, he's shown he can average 12 assists a, a game. He can average league high in assists, 14 assists. If he, if he averaged, if he led the league in assists and, you know, was top five in steals, he'd probably be doing the best he could for that team, you know, and maybe, you know, get like average, like 18 points a game and like 14 assists. And then however many rebounds you can get without sacrificing all of your defensive positioning. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree. And I think the only thing, the only other thing I'll I'll, I'll add to this for now, because I'm sure we'll have like a whole off season to go on about it more. But mm-hmm. I I think you know Le- LeBron's a notorious coach killer. This guy's yeah. had a lot of coaches in his career, and uh, you know I wish Darvin Ham all the best, but I, <laughs> yeah. I'm a little nervous for him personally. I don't think. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit nervous for him. Um, the Quinn Snyder news, I think uh, I'll what I'll note on this is I think it's really the situation feels a bit unique to me because he resigned. So he wasn't mm-hmm. fired. He resigned. And that felt like a formality out of like good faith because he's been with the team for so long. Yeah. But then they had this press conference and Quinn Snyder was emotional and Danny Ainge was like, we don't want to see him go. And then Donovan Mitchell has come out and said that he's not happy with the fact that Quinn Snyder is leaving. So that is like a twist I didn't see coming because everybody was kind of like, yeah, this is going to be his last year. Sure, he's a good coach, but he seems to have lost um, his voice with the locker room. It's just been too many years and they haven't been able to get over this hump. Um, but yeah, those reactions I found to be uh, a bit surprising and I don't know what this jazz team's going to do. I know there's a lot of trade rumors with both Gobert and Mitchell, but I have a feeling Danny Ainge isn't going to blow this up so quickly or so easily. I don't think he will. I don't think he wants to get rid of those two. They, but that, yeah, the Quinn Snyder, it's weird. Him just kind of like abruptly leaving. It's a really strange time in the season for that to happen too. There's not a whole heck of a lot going on right now for him to just announce it. And because I think if he was gonna, if they were gonna fire him, sorry, Ian, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're right. I I think if they were gonna fire him, it would have been after they lost in the playoffs. Because now is when all the coaching hiring is happening. Um, The Hornets are also hiring a coach. I think they, I I saw on ESPN that they've narrowed it down to um kenny atkinson and mike d'antoni which is interesting so it's like they've already narrowed their search down to two i think quinn snyder is going to take a year off and go surfing he has that (laughs) california surfer dude uh accent dude and he's got the nice like the coiffed hair yeah and he's got that coiffed hair he's very california (laughs) he's very california vibes and i think he's just gonna go surfing in his bulletproof vest for a while i could see that happening also that sounds heavy like i think surfing like a bulletproof vest filled filled with water would be very heavy probably not the ideal thing but i mean you maybe you have a (laughs) 
if you're getting a, look, if you're afraid of getting shot out in these seas, out yeah, you never, <laughs> out in the deep water. There's a walrus with a sniper rifle on a rock somewhere. Yeah. Um, no, I I think for Donovan Mitchell and Gobert, that's weird too because I they've they have not seemingly seen eye to eye in a long time. Do you remember when he was when Gobert when the COVID stuff was just starting and he touched all the mics. Oh yeah. And then everybody got COVID and everyone in the league was like, what was that? Like, why did you do that? So even before that, I think there was some Donovan Mitchell Gobert rumblings. I could see one of them. The thing about Donovan Mitchell though, he doesn't strike me as somebody who would come out and demand a trade and coming out and demanding a trade has seemingly been a bad look for a lot of NBA stars lately. Didn't really work for Ben Simmons at all. Mm. So I don't think he will do anything uh, like that, but I don't, I don't think he's happy for sure. I feel like Donovan Mitchell, again, somebody who really is a competitor um, and he wants to win. So if he's stuck in Salt Lake city and he's not winning, he's going to be peeved, you know? So it's going to, that's a very, the Utah situation is interesting. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, I agree. It's very interesting. My sort of impression of Danny Yange is that I think he's very open to trading either or both, but he is not the type to trade them for parts. No, he's not going to, he's not interested in trading for parts and then doing a a long haul rebuild like, like the Houston Rockets are. I don't think he's that guy. And I think there's going to be a lot of offers thrown back and forth all summer long. And it's going to be really interesting if, if somebody pulls the trigger and if it happens, it'll be a blockbuster deal. Yeah. He's going to want, Danny is going to want to win the trade and he's going to have yeah, to he's very that type. trade with somebody who like, like uh, Sacramento, like Vivek or something where they're just like <laughs> just constantly making bad moves. Yeah. But... Maybe they'll get some bonus out of it. Right. Yeah. Maybe they'll get some bonus. <laughs> right, like I could see it happening. Honestly, yeah. Anyway. Um, I I agree. Uh, okay, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment. So, yeah. I I was very annoyed at the timing of these OG and OB trade rumors because it was literally right after my episode dropped last week. Yeah, I was time. like, no. But um, yeah, a lot of that's been going around. Um, I think the you know Raptors Republic did a really great job. And shout out to Locked On Raptors. Sean Woodley did a great job of kind of breaking down what these trade rumors really are and that it's more about other teams being really interested in OG than mm-hmm. it is about him being unhappy here. Uh, do, do Are you buying any of these rumors? How, how, do, you, how do you feel about them? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that I'm buying it. OG doesn't seem like the type of person who would let a leak out. I feel like he's pretty close to the vest and how he operates. Again, I don't know the guy, but just from his reputation. You you um, know what it is though? He's with clutch sports. Oh yeah. And they, yeah. And they're very like that. Like, I think this is a clutch sports PR uh, scheme just to drum up positive press for him to make him more, to make him more high profile. That's truly what I think it is. You're probably absolutely right on that. I would I would agree. That's a clutch sports thing. But I mean, also, he's a great player. If you look at his stats, he his usage is is going up. He's playing more minutes every year. He's only 24 years old. Um, he can do everything well. 
when your name is in trade rumors, when there's nothing really substantiated around them, it just means people, again, like, like club sports and other teams are talking about them or interested in them. I think he's a great player. And I, every year I like to say that I think he's going to have his best year. And I think again, he's another guy who has these weird injuries. He doesn't have crazy mm. debilitating ones, but they tend to be, he, he's out for a long time. These strange injuries. He, he hasn't put together a season where he's played like 75 plus games, 80 games yet. So if he can play all 82 games or 80 games, he'll be amazing. And he'll be so impactful with that team, the way that we play. Um, and I'm excited for OG and I don't think he's going anywhere. I hope. Yeah. I think uh, on one hand, I do think OG is an extremely strong trade asset for us yes. if we are looking and i think we probably are but i also think Masai is like deeply invested in og and an ob you know like i you know he's been here from the beginning of his career i i think he's i think Masai is emotionally invested not just basketball invested but emotionally invested in og and an ob and i and again, like, I think people have this idea of Masai, like, oh, like, this guy's crazy, man. He'll do, he'll do any kind of trade. And it's like, he didn't trade DeMar DeRozan for just anybody. No. You know, it was Kawhi Leonard. So I, I think, like, uh, Masai will not just trade OG, but I, I do think he would consider it maybe a little more than we as fans would like, because I do think OG is overall a fan favorite. But he is an incredibly strong trade asset for us, depending totally. on, on who's out there. Masai is another one of these GMs who's going to really want to win the trade, and he historically does. He so, very historically does, yeah. Right. If OG got traded, I would be saddened, but I would also look at who he got, and I'd be like, I am a little bit happier as well. So right. <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen, though, because <laughs> I think that they, I think that the way that this team plays they all really seem to get along and a good locker room is, is maybe at this point worth more than, um, you know, a better potential team on paper, you know? Yeah. And I, and I don't going. think he's only 25. Yeah. And Sorry. I don't think the Raptors are in a serious win now mode type no, situation no, either where we would need to make a, a borderline desperate trade not to say it would be all desperate. of our best players are coming up into their primes yeah so um, we are in a very good position if you look at uh at our stars and how old they are so you're totally right i feel like unless we get kind of a godfather offer for og i feel like he stays yeah but we'll see <laughs> I agree. And I don't believe he's unhappy. I think that's no. just, and Scotty Barnes kind of came out and dispelled that too, which was really nice. And, you know, shout out to Scotty Barnes for uh, attending uh, the, this, those CBL games. Is that what it's called? Oh, I the, don't... Um, the one with Jake Cole. Yeah. Cole. Look, How I... he went. I didn't see that. That's cool. Yeah. He went, he went to support, which was really nice. Sorry. Like for anybody listening and then they're like, Oh, how could you not know the name of that league? I also cover the WNBA and that's a lot of basketball. I can't, I don't have the time to cover more than two leagues. Two leagues is a lot of leagues. <laughs> that's a lot of leagues, but it shout is. out to J. Cole and, and Scotty Barnes. I think that's really fun. Totally. Absolutely. Um, who uh, would you like to see 
on the Raptors next season? You know, I was looking up, I was looking this up a little while ago, actually, kind of looking at the free agents. Um, there's a guy, I think he played for Washington last. He got injured last year. Thomas Bryant. He's a big man, the center. I had him on my fantasy team, and I don't like to equate fantasy stats to real life because I believe in watching the games and seeing how they play. Um, but, like, he's, he's very good around the rim. He finishes really, really well. He puts up a super high field goal percentage. Um, and his contract is, like, not outrageous. I think he could be a good fit off of our bench if we needed to, like, throw a few big bodies at a star like Giannis or something like that. You just need to have somebody who can come in and body him. He might work and fit that role. In terms of our perimeter and our and our guard situation, I think we're we're well sorted. So I I'm not looking. Yeah, it's all about not, the bigs for me too. Yeah, it's not look. I don't want to break up what we have to get another wing or get another guard. I think our wings and guards, like you said, are kind of really good. So if I'm going to go big, it's, it is all about the bigs. And I'm, I I think that he would be our best fit. I think he's a free agent too. I That's think. amazing. I yeah. uh, I like this deep dive. I think that <laughs> is what's going to happen is we're going to get this obscure big and then we're going to be like, who is this? And then they're going to take him to the, the real jerk or something like they did with Scotty Barnes <laughs> last summer. And then all of a sudden we're going to be like, we love this guy. It's a great city, you know. I mean, if you come here and you're playing <laughs> NBA basketball, the arena's right downtown. There's so much good food in town. You know, it would be awesome to play here. I'm I'm not surprised that Scotty Barnes is here and he's like, this is great. You know, I'm ha he's having a great time. It's an awesome place to be. I'm so happy for all those kids. They're, I can say that they're kids now that I'm like almost 40. I can be like, I'm happy for those kids and mean it. Like, and mean it. <laughs> that's, where, that's where we're at now, Ian. That's where oh we're at. Oh, my gosh. Don't remind uh... me. <laughs> <laughs> um one last thing i'll say about og and it'll be in terms of like clutch sports i think it was the exact same thing with the nick nurse rumors in the lakers back in back in april i think it's all the same spin team totally. looking at their clients looking at you know that's just what they do uh speaking of which it's our nick nurse hottie highlight of the week <laughs> uh as people know who are regulars of this podcast uh the off season Nick Nurse is laying a little low right now. Actually, from a, a good friend of ours, uh, Miguel Rivas, uh, who's the brother of Freddie Rivas, who hosts Confederacy of Dunks, uh, got to do some acting with Nick Nurse recently yeah. and told me it was an amazing experience. So hopefully, hopefully Freddie doesn't poach him before me and I get to get him on this show and we can talk about his Nick Nurse experience, which was overall very, very pleasant and delightful. Um yeah, but Ian, my question to you, as it is the off season, what is your favorite Nick Nurse moment? My, there's a lot of really good ones. Um, I like when he came out and played guitar. Who was he playing with again? I tried. They are I tried. That's who it was. It was just such a wholesome moment. You could tell he was really enjoying himself. You could tell he felt like he had. You know, it, it's weird to extrapolate, but like I felt like he he's like. I have a home like this is where you know what I mean like he just was so happy to be a part of the organization and, and the city and everything that was cool but I also really like this acting part um because I was looking up <laughs> what he's been up to and yeah it's posted <laughs> on his wikipedia so I think I can say 
like what it is. Go for right? it. Yeah, like he's gonna be on Murdoch Mysteries. He's been on sure. Murdoch Mysteries. He's been on it. Is it out? Can I watch it? Yeah, yeah, you can. It's real cringe. It. <laughs> it's real cringe. It's just like this old. He he plays. I think he plays like a basketball coach or some like locker room cleanup guy. And he's like, you know, this little game called basketball might take off someday. Yeah, uh, like and then there's line. like a weird Raptors pun like a little wink nod to the audience it's uh i love how much nick loves being a celebrity he's great he's just a he's a really likable guy honestly and um i'm so happy that he's the coach because i think that if i look at the players on our team and who they're being coached by it makes me happy makes me think that they can really do something you know Mm -hmm. like it's just good it's just a good vibe I completely agree. Um, Ian, that brings us to the end of this episode. Almost exactly an hour, which is pretty impressive. Uh, But let us know uh, what you're up to again. Shout out your show again in Ottawa. And let us know where people can find you on the internets. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, Laugh Lounge in Ottawa, 24th, 25th of June. I'm excited to play that club. It's going to be fun. And you can follow me on Instagram. It's probably my most active social media. My handle is shirt underscore gordon so uh, yeah give me a follow and you know thank you so much for having me on the show it was really fun oh thank you and uh for everyone else you can follow me on twitter or instagram at it's me underscore Catherine, spelled c-a-t-h-r-y-n thank you again for listening and we'll catch you back next time Bye. bye